Hey everyone, welcome to Blue Wife Life Podcast. I'm Mary, I'm one of your co-hosts. I am just so excited today to be introing this episode to you. This is one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. If you're new here, welcome. Go find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if not, we're so glad you're back. Our interview today is a special one. We were honored to chat with Brittany Price Brooker. She is a true gem, guys, and we know you're going to love her. Brittany's story starts out a lot like all of our stories do. She met her husband, fell madly in love, got married, and started having babies. Her husband was in law enforcement, and she was a stay-at-home mom. Life was full, busy, and good. Brittany and her husband, Patrick, had three kids under the age of three, one being a newborn. One morning, that all changed. Her 30-year-old husband just passed out and never woke up again. His heart stopped. I honestly, truly can't imagine this myself. I am in a similar phase with three kids, all little, a baby. It's so painful for me to even think about my husband dying that I just don't even really go there. But Brittany had to. Her life changed instantly. She walks us through the grief of what that first year was like, how she told her kids and how other people helped her. The most beautiful part is that she did this all while trusting God. She knew God was still good and that Jesus was showing up for her in the midst of the very worst time in her life. Brittany's story has such a sweet turn though when she met her current husband, Daniel. Guys, we know this story is hard and sad, but there's also so much hope in it. God was there for her every step of the way, and she is such a good example of blind faith and trusting the Lord even when it seems hopeless. So do yourself a favor, keep listening. We loved this interview, and we know you will too. Here's our conversation with Brittany Price Brooker. Hi, Brittany. We're so happy you're here joining us today. Hey, girl. Oh, my goodness. So excited to be with you guys. Yeah, so I heard you on Jamie Ivey's podcast. I was mopping my floors when I was listening, and I was pregnant with this little one right here. This is Lucy. Um, I just adored you from that second. And another one of my good friends, her husband died when we were 28. I really just resonated with your story, and Becky and I were talking about you know, who to interview, and we just thought, like, ah, oh, if we could get Brittany Price Brooker, that would be amazing. I'm excited to be here Yay. with you. It's awesome. Thank you. So tell us about yourself, Brittany. Yeah, so I guess a little bit about myself. I'm from the South. I'm from Georgia. That's where I was, I guess I moved there when I was, like, five, so I consider myself a Georgia peach, you know, um, raised with all boys and an awesome Christian family and got married at like 21 to the man of my dreams which was just a cool journey I was the the girl that waited forever and dated my husband and that was the only person I ever dated which is like an amazing miracle I had three precious little boys back to back um and so I had you know, three boys under three, but one of those crazy journeys. Yes. <laughs> and so much fun. So loving motherhood and um, just grateful to be doing life. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I have my three are very close in age too. So I can appreciate the crazy that comes along with basically having three babies. Yes, it is so <laughs> crazy. And I know um, specifically with this podcast, which is so neat, that you guys are with law enforcement wives, 
and families, but my husband was in law enforcement and it, he always just said it ran in his blood. Like he loved it, lived, breathed, thrived on that rush that comes from it. But also we dealt a lot with the craziness that comes with it and the stress and the long hours and what it did with our family and having to be intentional with what you have. And so that was a little bit of our journey as well. Definitely. Well, can you share more about your story? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, um, I got married to the love of my life, Patrick Price. He was in law enforcement when we met, which is so funny because I always told him, like, I thought I'd marry a pastor and I married, uh, <laughs> like, a first date. I, like, get in the car and there's this huge gun in between us. And I'm like, what <laughs> is my life? <laughs> what is going on? Um, and he had just gotten off work. And so, anyways, we laugh about that. But anyway, so he was in law enforcement. We got married, was working the crazy, you know, you get the drift. He was working, you know, 70-hour weeks. Um, so people, someone asked me the other day about, like, your newlywed years. And I'm like, well, our newlywed years were very different than I think the usual because it was a lot of working and a lot of being intentional with the time that we did have um, and a lot of learning immediately how to deal with stress because of, the law enforcement life and the um, stressful lifestyle and how we wanted to do it in a healthy manner. And we wanted a healthy marriage and a healthy family. And we knew we were going into it for the long run because Uh we loved it and he loved it. And so anyways, like I said, we had three kids back to back. And I think as a law enforcement spouse, I think you always kind of deal with a fear in the back of your mind that one day, you know, what if he dies when he's out on these arrest sweeps? What if he, something happens? What if he gets shot? You know, you have all these kind of worries that you just have to learn how to trust the Lord. And so I remember early on, like struggling with that. And so not even being able to sleep, knowing he was out in the middle of the night doing these things. And then Having to get to the point where I was like, Lord, you number our days. You number my days, and I'm not running around being in harm's way, you know. I'm a stay-at-home mom. You number my baby's days, you know. It doesn't matter what you do. The Lord holds our days, and he holds our lives together, and so I had to trust him with that. But anyways, one day, um, my husband went to work, and I brought my three little boys to Bible study you know how that is you get them in their class and it's like hallelujah nobody cried nobody melted down like we're gonna make this day this is a good day y'all so I sent my husband a quick text message and was like so proud of him and I knew that he was um in a special case hearing that day he was you know doing some security for that and so I thought oh you know maybe he's not able to answer me back right away and so as I was sitting in bible study I got a phone call from a random number so at first I didn't answer it and then the second time um I felt like the Lord said it's something with Patrick you need to get it and so I answered my phone and it was my husband's boss which I had never even spoken with I knew who he was based on conversations with my husband but it was a very high up boss that I wouldn't have normally ever had any interaction with and he said hey Patrick's fallen has he been sick lately and I said no he's a perfectly healthy like 30 year old man and so he said hey you know we sent him off to the hospital we're gonna come get you 
it's raining really hard, and so we want to um, take there in a safe timing and get you there a lot faster than you'd normally be able to get there. So just hang tight where you are. We're going to come get you. Of course, for me, I, I didn't really think anything of it. You know, you're a tight-knit family with those uh, with all the people that you work with because you spend so much time together and life together. And so I was so thankful that they were doing everything to get me to my man. And at that point, I thought, okay, you know, we have a newborn, we have a one-and-a-half-year-old, almost three-year-old. Like, we're not getting much sleep. Like, he's probably exhausted from the adrenaline rush with crazy work stuff and then the late nights with the baby. And so I thought, like, okay, maybe he just was dehydrated. He's probably cracking all the nurses up right now, you know, with his jokes and everything. And so mm-hmm. I remember I even, like, grabbed snacks at Bible study to bring with me and, like, a book so I could read to him. And so I read ran out and was waiting in the rain. At that time, I waited for almost an hour in the rain. And I kept calling them, like, can I please come? Like, let me just drive there. But it was an hour away, and it was raining so hard in Atlanta. And so they said, no, this is our policy. Like, let's just come get you. And so by the time they got there, there was three other vehicles that had tried to get me that got in car accidents that day, which is crazy. Wow. Um, so I kept thinking, like, why is it taking so long? Like, just get me to my man finally I get in the vehicle and I remember one of the agents looking at me and being like I'm so sorry um he's unconscious like I don't know what happened and I just remember telling her like it's okay we can trust the Lord no matter what happens and I remember thinking of the verse over and over again like screaming in my head the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus And it was like I had this crazy peace in that car. I mean, just something that you cannot describe. It was so surreal and so supernatural. And so, again, it took us an hour to get to the hospital. We got out, and I just remember running as fast as I could into that hospital, just feeling like the Lord is like, Brittany, you need to remember this. I ran um, past security, and they were waiting on me. So all these law enforcement were just like, come on through and up. I ran into a hallway full of people um, and agents and people in law enforcement all in their gear with star written all over their faces. And I knew what was coming and they sat me down and they said, Brittany, we're so sorry. Patrick died. His heart just stopped beating and we don't understand why. And y'all, it was crazy. It was like, I cannot believe this is my life. Like there's no way that I'm living this right now. Like, is this a dream? Is this a TV show? This is crazy. How can my perfectly healthy 30-year-old husband just drop dead with his heart? Like, he's so healthy. And so in that moment at the age of 25 with three kids under three, I became a widow. And they became fatherless. And and the Lord, oh, the Lord just came and filled that room with his presence and just came and was among us in the midst of the hardest gut-wrenching moments and uh, years and months and having to walk through, like I said, was my greatest fear and something that I think every single wife kind of has in the back of your mind is your worst fear, but none of us really talk about it. Mm-hmm. And yet I was living it and I have lived it. And I can say that the Lord is good. And even though my worst fear has happened, I'm still alive because of Jesus. The verse that you said about peace surpassing all understanding and how you felt like that was on your heart, how did that play into your emotions through this? Because 
you were in the car and you felt like that was being said to you. And then you're in the hospital and you're seeing all the law enforcement officers and it sounds like it's hitting you like this isn't good. So how did you get that piece and also have the emotion? You know, I look back and at the time it was really hard for me because I was the last person to find out he died because I was the this away I had to wait the longest and that's so hard as a spouse like you want to be there you want to be with your man I still struggle with that that I wasn't right next to him and that is hard you know that's something I carry with me and I just have to rest in the fact that God was with him that I wasn't um but you know I look back and I see God's abundant graciousness and goodness because by the time I got there there was people literally all around the world that were praying for me because they knew I hadn't hadn't heard the news yet. And so because of the power of God's people praying and the Lord using it, it was like I was floating on this grace that God was giving that's undescribable. And so I would say the emotions hit a lot later. Um, I think in the moment you're dealing with the shock. I mean, the shock of that, I think when someone's sick and you know that's an idea, but I didn't wake up that morning thinking, oh, my husband could die. I mean, not at all. And so I think walking through the shock factor and then sitting in the car with the bag of his belongings and in my lap, and that was all I had. And, you know, with law enforcement, I wasn't able to touch him there. I wasn't able to really see him because, you know, everything's under investigation and all that stuff. And that was a really hard part of it. It's just like how, like I had to beg them to go see him. Because he was at work when it happened. Yes, he was at work. So because of law enforcement, you know, everything's under investigation um, until it's all passed through. And so that was one of their things that they had to be very careful with because of the suddenness of it and because it was during um, a very specific difficult trial. Do you remember your last conversation with him? I'm sure you do. Yes. In fact, I was having a lot of pain. Like I said, I had a newborn, and so I was struggling with physically, and I had just been to the doctor. And anyways, long story short, I remember waking up with a ton of pain and being like, I need to tell him that I, I don't need to be listening to the baby in the middle of the night because it was causing this pain that I was having. And my doctor said, you're not supposed to be listening to kids much. And I remember thinking that thought and about to say, and the Holy Spirit said, don't say that, Brittany. And you're like, really, God? Like, there's nothing wrong with me saying that. Yeah. But I remember listening to the Lord say that and not saying that. So instead, I said, babe, you look so hot in your suit. And I hope you have a great day. And I love you. Goodbye. And so he always prayed with me before he left every single morning. He prayed over me and wow. would give me a big kiss and say, I love you. And so my last words to him was, I love you. See you soon. And, you know, as... um as somebody that was married to a law enforcement, that is one thing that I, I would always think about, my last words. And that's mm-hmm. something to this day I carry with me with every relationship and every friend, family members is your last words. And, and to make sure you always end on a good note and you're always saying I love you and telling people how you really feel about them. And um, I remember that night after he died, just replaying every part of our relationship and our marriage and our life and 
really being overwhelmed with gratefulness that Jesus was so precious to give us that last um, exchange and also to give us such a sweet marriage that we could look upon and I, I really didn't have any regrets and that was such a God gift and it wasn't because we didn't make mistakes because hello my name is Brittany and I'm a sinner and he was married to me and I struggled y'all yeah but um he the Lord was so good that when we did, we would always repent and ask forgiveness and, and get in a good spot in our relationship. And so I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful there was not these big things that we didn't address. There was, we just really had a beautiful spot in our relationship. And so our last words and our last memories, like was just so peaceful. And I'm really thankful for the gift of that. That's really That's neat. such a lesson in knowing when to hold your tongue because I'm pretty bad about that. I'm just let it all out. And then later you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. And then also knowing when to speak and when to say I love you and which that's all the time. But I love that lesson. Um, I have a newborn right now and I'm just in, sitting here listening to you thinking, I'm sure everyone that's listening to this is thinking, what if I was in her position? And I just think... I, I personally would be angry with God with a with three little babies at home. Your 30-year-old husband died. Did you ever have any anger towards God? Yeah, I mean, I remember that night um, just weeping over my baby and saying, God, it's one thing to call me to this, but why did you call him to this? Mm-hmm. You know, why did you call my babies to not have their daddy. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't even know how big this suffering is. They don't know that the rest of their life, what they're missing out on and what they've missed out. Like, he will never, like, Patrick never got to see Nathan laugh, ever. You know, he never got to know his daddy. Is Nathan and your baby? That was, Nathan's my baby, yeah. And how old was he when Patrick died? He just turned three months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, had a one and a half year old and then almost three year old. So with that, there was a lot of questioning and a lot of, I think the biggest grief to this day that I still carry is for my babies, Mm -hmm. you know, for the man that they didn't get to know, like I got to know, you know, all your dreams and how you would watch them. Even like last week, there was something that happened with my oldest son and I, looked over at him and my eyes just filled with tears thinking, you know, Patrick and I talked about this. We talked about this season together and I'm watching it before my eyes and he's not here and he would be so proud of him right now. And that is a hard thing. And so I wouldn't say I got angry with God. um, And that's not really as much my personality, but I would say I definitely would question. I would give him all of those questions. I mean, there'd be times where I would feel this kind of like angst inside of me. And I would remember calling my mom and be like, I just have to go on a run. Like I've got to work this out with God because I'm so frustrated and so sad right now. And so I would drop my kids off with my parents and I would just run. And I remember the beginning of the run, I would just be like, Oh God, this is so hard. Why did you, why did you allow this to happen? How can I even do this? I don't know how I'm going to make it. And I would just run and cry it out and just give them all these questions. By the end of the run, there would be the soft tears going, God, you are good. You are here with me and you're carrying me and we're going to make it because of you. 
Like there is hope even right now because you're with me, God. Your presence is with me. You are upholding us with your mighty grace. And you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death with us. Like we're not doing this alone. We're going to make it. And so just even in that little 30 minute, an hour run, you can go through all the emotions. But I think that's part of everything in life is allowing yourself to go through those emotions, but going through them in a healthy manner with God and giving him all of it because he can handle it. And that helps us process and get to the end point where we say, okay, we're going to accept this suffering and say, God, what do you want us to do with it? So are you saying you didn't really filter like for those out there that don't really know what that looks like to talk to God, you wouldn't filter it. You would just talk to him like you talk to anyone. Absolutely. And that's what a relationship with Jesus is, is, is he truly is my best friend. And so even now when there's sadness and hurt and pain, still that comes up or things are like, kids like I just talk it out with God just like I would a best friend like this is frustrating God or I have no idea what to do right now so show me what to do Lord like I'm asking I'm begging you for wisdom on this and for strength and yes and God can handle all of our questions he can handle all of our anger he can handle the sadness he can handle the happiness the Lord created all those emotions in us and he is the safest place to bring those to Mary and I always say, go to the, uh, go to the throne before you go to the phone. Yeah. Yes, girl. Very quick to call each other. Yeah. And then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is good and all, but. Uh, do you literally talk out loud to God? Oh yeah, girl. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then sometimes I'll just start praying out loud. My kids will do that too. It's so funny. Um, they've picked up on it or, um, just or like lord help us or give us strength or whatever it is and sometimes i don't even realize i'm doing it or because i i sing and so i'm a singer sometimes i'll be singing something and i don't even know that i'm singing out loud i think it's in my head but i'm just so busy doing something it's coming out anyways i love that so i don't think this was on our list of questions for you but how did you tell your kids i know yes. two of them were like babies but how did you Talk to your three-year-old. Man, y'all, his birthday was the next day. And Uh so I had been preparing his birthday stuff. It all centered around daddy. And so I remember pulling him aside and thinking in my head, how do I tell him this? And so I just told him the truth. I just told him daddy died. He's in heaven with Jesus and he's not coming back. And God is not going to leave us alone. He's going to be a father to the fatherless. He promises that he'll take care of us. And he said, um, okay, can I go play now? Like, he didn't understand mm-hmm. it at that moment. Mm-hmm. But as the months and the days, you know, went by, it was oh, the most gut-wrenching thing. You know, your son, like, he would wake up in the middle of the night weeping and crying for daddy. Mm-hmm. And so he would wake up, and then the other kids would wake up because they'd hear him crying. And we'd all be up in the middle of the night crying. And I would just be like, God, this is so hard. And, you know, in the middle of the night, who are you going to call? What are you going to do? Like, you just have to do it alone in the darkness, being the single mom and like, and doing the hard stuff. And I would just cry out to God, show up right now. God, this is too much for me to carry. I can't do this. And then, you know, was nursing the baby and trying to do all that. And I'm telling you, the Lord would show up. He would be there with us. I could just feel his presence with us. And I would pray over my kids and I would pray over their dreams. And, um, I remember one night praying like Jesus meet with my babies in their dream. 
fill their dreams with Jesus and let them feel that you're, you are with them and that you are a father to them. And the next morning, uh, my three-year-old woke up and he said, mommy, I had a dream about Jesus last night. Uh, and I said, you did? He said, yeah, he brought me my favorite snacks and he sat down with me and he played with me. Um, and I just remember hearing him say that and being like, God, you are so good. And he was just smiling and laughing about it. But having this real moment where it's like the Lord meets with you. And there's a verse that talks about Jesus singing over us. And so I would pray that the angels in that uh, would just sing over my babies, sing the truth over them. And so every night when we went to sleep, I would put scriptures music on. So that they went to sleep listening to the word of God. And when they'd wake up, if it stopped, we would play it again. And I sometimes, as I would nurse my baby in the middle of the night, um, would just sit there and let the words ooze in my heart and mind and say them over and over again. And that was where God met us. Because not often when you are in the midst of such a hard suffering season, can you just sit down and read and really absorb but I could listen to music and I could hear the word of God. And that really soaked up in my soul in a different way. Yeah. I um, was listening today to actually another podcast that you did. And something that really stuck out to me was the story of your friend. Can you tell the story of your friend about the bath giving your kids? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I have this um, friend that lives like 45 minutes away, she's got five kids, you know, busy, busy, busy mama. And on Mother's Day, I was with my kids alone at our house, bathing them. And it hit me hard. Just thinking like, wow, I'm here on Mother's Day alone, like with my kids, bathing them, doing life alone. And I just remember saying, God, how can I do this? Like, show me somehow right now that you see me and that you care for us. And asking God for the strength for the moment and just crying out. And I remember looking up and like seeing Patrick's picture on the wall. It was just like all this grief around me. I felt like I could not get through and make it through in my mind. And so as I prayed that and I'm bathing my babies, my doorbell rang. I get to the door on Mother's Day and my friend is on the doorstep and she said, about an hour ago, I was praying and I felt like God told me you're supposed to go to Brittany Price's house and help bathe the babies and help tonight. And so she said, I just got up and got in my car and came over here. And I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me? I just prayed that prayer and I just put my babies in the bath. So the timing of it was just so Jesus. And I felt so seen. I felt like the Lord was there and that he cared and we were going to make it because he made himself known, even through people. And for her, it would have been easy to be like, God, it's Mother's Day. I'm with my kids. I'm with my family. Like, maybe that's just a good idea. Maybe it's not really God. But instead, she took the risk of it and said, you know what? If that is the Lord, I want to listen. And so she came anyways, and she was an answer to my prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes me think that when I heard that today, I the first thought that came to my head was, how many times do we miss out on God's calling and other people miss out on even little things like helping your friend bathe her children when we kind of ignore that 
Holy Spirit feeling in you that you're supposed to do something, even something little like that, you know? I mean, that was a big deal to load up five kids, but I, I just think that is such a cool story, like how God provided for you in that moment. And it's definitely changed the way I do life. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, walking through my season of suffering and watching how God used his people, I mean, the littlest things to the biggest things that nobody would know but God, mm-hmm. that people did, that they listened to the voice of God. It's changed the way I do my life completely now. And my kids will even do that because I'll be like, you know, we'll go to a store, you know, our favorite store that has these cute little flowers. And before we go in it, I'm like, okay, ask the Lord, is there anybody that we are supposed to bless? And so I'll ask them to pray about it. And sure enough, by the time we get around the flowers, my boys will say, the Lord told me we're supposed to encourage this person or whatever. And sure enough, it'll be somebody that needs it, you know? And so even the way of teaching my kids to listen to God and to look around for the needs around them that we can meet, because the reality is God's called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I was even asked the question this week, well, how does God be a father to the fatherless? when he can't be there physically, well, he uses his people to be there physically. And so God's people are the hands and feet that can do things. Those are the people that can come and jump on the trampoline with my boys, or they could bring food, or they could just give me a hug when I needed it, or to tell me a story, or um, to do a thoughtful gift, or whatever it may be. That's why it's so important for us as God's people to say, Lord, help me to be open to whatever you have for me today and to listen to it. And it may look like awkward things. Like one time I was in Target and God said, you're supposed to go up and say this to this lady. And I'm like, I don't know that lady. <laughs> like, this is so awkward. And you go do it. And sure enough, the girl just starts crying and she needed to know that or people doing that to me too. And there's times that I haven't obeyed God and I've missed out on the blessing of not being obedient because I felt awkward and I don't want to live my life that way. You know, I want to live my life in obedience and I would love to be the blessing to someone as people have been a blessing to me. You're very open on your social media and your Instagram stories. And I love that. You have given me some ideas like on Valentine's day, My neighbor has five boys that she's raising by herself and in the midst of a custody battle that's been going on for four or five years now. And you gave me the idea on Valentine's Day to just make a meal for her, do something nice. And by make a meal, I bought five pizzas from the grocery store and brought them to her. (laughs) Yes, girl. (laughs) But it was still a blessing to me. And I know it was a huge blessing to her because she works full time. Anyway, so if anybody wants to follow you on social media, I think you are so amazing at being open to what God is calling you to and giving others ideas for how they can help as well. Thank you. And you know, the cool thing is God just wants our yes. Yeah. You know, he, we don't have to have anything put together. We don't have to have a gourmet meal. He just wants our yes, whatever we have to offer. And you know, it may be picking up your phone and calling somebody and it may be picking up Chick-fil-A or picking up pizzas, you know, or it may be writing a handwritten card. Um, or picking up flowers or a simple thing. Like I love that you can send a Starbucks gift card through your phone nowadays. Like that's fantastic. But the biggest thing is just our yes and being obedient to the Lord. And so 
I think for a lot of us, like I used to be the person that was like, I'm not bringing someone a meal unless I can bring breakfast and granola and homemade muffins and blah, blah, blah. Like I don't have time. I don't have time for that these days. So now I'm like, you know what? I might not be able to do all these things, but I can pick up someone's favorite breakfast and drop it on the doorstep. So that's my best yes right now, you know? And so just doing what you can and being obedient to God's voice. Uh, that's so good. So, Brittany, tell us about your life today. So, Patrick passed away almost four years ago. And then several years later, I met this amazing man who was a widower. And his wife had passed away a month before Patrick of cancer. And just an incredible lady that loved the Lord. And they had adopted two small children together. So we were both just trying to encourage a family that was going through tremendous loss. And so we met over trying to love and encourage this family and began to grow a friendship, just really connect on so many different levels. And pretty soon the Lord grew it into this crazy love story that I never thought I'd be living. Um, And we found love and got married. And so we have five abnormally close in age small children. (laughs) And so in the summer that we got married, um, the kids were six, five, four, three, two in age. Yes. Um, And I thought I was tired with three kids. Y'all, I am so tired with five kids. I can't Um, imagine. I cannot imagine. It's so crazy. And so people always laugh and call us the Brooker Bunch instead of the Brady Bunch. Um, But we're all walking through different things and, you know, kids that are adopted, they have extra layers as well. And then kids walking through Greece and we have both of those things. And so, um, and I have a husband that gets me in every way. And he is absolutely incredible. Loves the Lord, loves me. And we have a fantastic marriage. And, you know, I think when Patrick died, I thought I could never do this again. Nobody would ever compare to you. Like there's no way you can have a good marriage after having an awesome one, you know, to begin with. And, um, the Lord really taught me that like my life right now is not God's plan B for my life. It may have been my plan B, But God's plan is always prevails, and the Lord knew this was going to happen. And so walking in obedience of God, this is what you called me to do. You know, I thought I'd always be married to Patrick, and then he died, and that's so hard. But it's okay to move forward, and it's okay to build a new life and still love my old life and still love um, Patrick and still love the life that we live together. And I still miss that, and you still have days where it's hard, but we're building a new life together that we love and doing it for the glory of God. and our. I feel like our family's calling um, has really been to encourage people that there's hope even in the darkest places of life because that's what we've lived through. You know, we've lived through the darkest of days where I woke up and thought, there's no way I can breathe today Mm -hmm. because I felt like my heart was hurting so much that it was hard to actually catch my breath. And living through those moments to being where I am today and seeing God's calling and loving five hurting hearts to teach them about Jesus and teach them about heaven and the gift of life and the gift of the Lord and that we will see their parents in heaven again because of Jesus. And that's such an amazing gift and the hope that we have. And so as a family now, which is crazy that I'm married again and this amazing man, but we get to do this life together as a family. We get to heal together. We get to be broken together. And it is such an amazing blessing. I think it shows that you must have a very healthy marriage because y'all are able to talk about Patrick and you're able to talk about his 
first wife and how you can do that without feelings of jealousy. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. It's pretty amazing. The Lord has been so gracious. And that is, it comes from open communication, you know, because you have to be there. You cannot not have open communication, especially when you blend families and it's the second time around. You can't try to build a relationship on the previous relationship. Like we have to build our foundation together and Jesus being our cornerstone. But I think that's one thing that we have learned is being open about it and saying like, Lindsay was an amazing part of his life and he would not be the man he was if she wasn't the incredible woman she was and they didn't have their marriage and same thing with me like Patrick oh my word what an incredible man and he helped build who I am today and he helped build the boys that I have today and so to be appreciative and grateful for that and we always say it's kind of like passing the baton like in a race nobody is booing one person and then when they pass you know, saying, yay for the next person. No, you're cheering on the whole team. And the team has different parts of the race, but we're all running this race together. And so we really feel like that in our lives is, you know, Patrick passing the baton and um, and Lindsay passing the baton and us trying to take that and take their legacy and running with it and raising these kids to the best of our ability to the glory of God. Do you have pictures up of Patrick and Lindsay? We have books. So we, um, when Patrick died, I made a daddy book for each kid individually that they have. So it's only pictures of them and, and daddy. So it's not like all these other pictures of everybody else. It's just very specific. And they are so precious and special. And so as soon as we got married, um, let's talk about how hard that was. That was really hard um, to look through all the pictures of Lindsay and with the kids and make those books. So they had that. And I remember when they first got them and all the kids sat down on the couch and they shared each other's pictures and sold memories. And I'm sitting there just bawling like, Oh my word. Can you believe this is our life? This is crazy. They're talking about their parents in heaven. And like they have the sweetest bond over it. And so for us, we give them their books because if they want to sleep with it, if they want to look at it, they want to share with it. If they're having a hard day and it hurts to look at it, they can put it on the bookshelf for a minute, you know, and it gives them the freedom Mm -hmm. to go with the ebbs and flows of grief, which has been healthy for us. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we have done as our family. And I don't think there's any right or wrong Mm -hmm. way to do it as you're grieving. I think it's just listening to the Lord and listening to your family of what's healthy for you. Do you have other friends who have walked any sort of similar road that you have? We had not really had anybody that was blending a family that went through death until a couple months ago. And um, so we honestly, we had a lot of counselors in our life. And of course, we made a lot of mistakes because we don't know what we're doing. There is no handbook for walking any of our journeys, just like there's not a handbook for motherhood. Like, I've only been a mother for what, almost seven years. And I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, like, and everything, I think we're seeking just the heart of God and his wisdom and strength to make the right choices and to lead them in a healthy way. But we did have a lot of grief counselors, um, speaking into our life, specific kids counselors that we walked through the first year of our family. Um, and I talked to her weekly, just to make sure I was like, I don't want to do something that I think is healthy in the midst of this season and look back and be like, that was not a good choice. And so having somebody that was a professional that was not emotionally involved with our family that could just speak in because of truth, that was very helpful for us. Mm-hmm. What is it like to be a step parent in this situation? 
Yeah, you know, it is very unique because you're not parenting with another mom. You know, mm-hmm. so you are the sole person responsible, you know, to to teach them and train them. It's not like I have friends that they're a blended family, but, you know, they only get the child on week, you know, every other weekend or this and that. So I think for us, we are the only living parents. And so we are both fully responsible 100% of the time to pour into them. And I think for me, man, y'all, what a huge responsibility. But then also with that, I feel like there's this other extra side because of grief of wanting to make sure that we're talking about their other parent, wanting to make sure that we're reaching out to family members and making sure everybody feels included and loved. Um, and it's, it's a lot. I mean, it is a lot. And especially cause we have a lot of families and there's a lot of kids in all of our families and it's, I mean, it's crazy. And so it has been a challenge and even, you know, going from, you know, Daniel, he is, he has not ever had any biological children for him, even walking through like coming in and fathering my kids. Like it was no different to him. Like he didn't know any different. Um, where for me, I had given birth to and carried my babies and had them from day one and praying and singing over them in the womb. And so going from being a parent of three to overnight being a parent of five, um, and having older kids, because I had younger kids and his kids are the older kids, it was quite the transition. And so I, um, I still, it's one of those things that I'm like, Lord, give me strength, give me wisdom. How do I love them well? And I think too, when you have kids and honestly with divorce, with death, anything, you're getting kids that are coming through loss. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be doing things like one of them would do things on purpose to push me away. And I remember sitting down and looking at them and saying, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to be here the rest of your life. And I'm going to care for you. And it took many times me saying that and loving them through the pain for them to really trust me. Mm -hmm. And so looking at that and not saying, okay, you're just being ugly, or this is a behavior problem to saying this is a heart problem. Mm -hmm. This is a heart trust thing because of the environment you've been and through the hurt you've been, not because that's truly your heart. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to love you through it and encourage you through it. And I can tell you as an adult, I had my steps do that to me. And though mine was through divorce, I can tell you that that resonated. And I was real ugly, like real, real ugly to them for several years. And, um, and at my wedding, they all four gave me away. So if that tells you anything, so like, it is just stay strong if that does ever continue to happen, because I look back on that and it has benefited me and I have never doubted the love that they have for me. That is so awesome. Yeah. And we're in a different spot. I'm telling you what, the Lord is such a gracious giver of good things and he is a healer of hearts. And so we are truly like, if you came over to have dinner, which if you lived in Georgia, you would come over for dinner because we just love having people just come on over. Um, but you would never know who is biological and who's not. Mm-hmm. You would never know that we are blended family by the way that we interact with each other. Um, they, everyone refers to each other as brother and sister. I mean, it is just the Lord has done so much. And the same thing with our relationship. Like someone at school had no idea that I wasn't their biological mother um, oh, wow. because they didn't know the story okay. just based on the way they interacted and talked about me and this and that. And so that is of itself Jesus. And I'm thankful. And of course, when people say that, I share about Lindsay and, and talk about her and, and give her the amazing credit and 
and memories that she, you know, deserves because she is so incredible. But it is, it's just neat to see how God works and how he really does bring families together. So there's a lot of wives listening. What piece of advice would you give to any wife just about marriage and what you've learned? Yeah, so I would say one of the biggest things is not to find your satisfaction in your husband, but find your satisfaction in Jesus because no person can um, uphold all that. No person is going to be enough for you because we're human. Like, I'm not going to be enough to fully satisfy and take care of everything that my husband needs. And so if he's putting that pressure on me, like I'm not going to be able to live up to that because that's not how God created me and intended to be. So making sure our satisfaction and our hope is in Jesus and that Jesus is enough for us because when we are fully satisfied in Jesus, we are filled up so we can pour out to other people and we're not putting that pressure on somebody else Mm -hmm. because nobody can handle that. So I think for me, I'm the best mom and wife I can be when I'm the most satisfied in Jesus, mm-hmm. when I'm spending time with him, when I am resting in the promises of God, when I'm being fueled up with him so that I have something to pour out. I also think often, especially with law enforcement, and y'all get this with the different hours that you work, um, having the perspective to say, God, give me their perspective today. Give me my husband's perspective and asking yourself, how can I better serve him? And I would ask him, what can I do to take something off your plate? What can I do to serve you? And so I remember thinking after long days where I would have the kids and um, he would work often from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. on a very you know specific day or two a week. And I remember thinking like he didn't want to have to work that long just as much as I didn't want to have to have the kids that long, you know? It was a long day for both of us. So when he walked through that door, I wanted it to be an environment where he felt treasured and loved and respected when he got home. And he was excited to come home. And I was excited for him to be home. Not this, I can't believe you worked. And I was with the kids all day. And I'm so worn out, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, you know. But checking our hearts and our perspective towards our husband and having a heart of gratitude for a husband, I think walking through death makes me appreciate that and view things very different because I remember thinking like I wish my husband was overseas and I knew I wasn't going to see him for three years because I know that he would be coming back but the fact is I won't ever see him again and my kids won't and that's what's hard I wish that he worked long hours because that means I actually had a husband Mm -hmm. I wish my husband you know did this and that because at least I know that he was home and he was faithful to us and so I think having the perspective of appreciating your husband and loving him and asking God, like there'd be moments where I'd be really selfish and thinking like, oh my goodness, he hasn't checked on my heart and I'm dealing with this with the kids or this and that. And God would just remind me, switch it. Ask, how can you serve him? Ask, what is he going through right now? How can I bless him? What is, well, I can't imagine the stress he's under right now. And so I think having those perspectives to really check on your spouse, to really serve them, even when you feel drained, is a really good, healthy thing. And then to be honest, you know, there's moments now where I have to tell Daniel, like, it was a really hard day today. And I know that I cannot handle this very well. So I just need to go in the back room for a little bit and reset. And it's nothing against anybody. I just know this is what I need. And being able to communicate that instead of it coming out in a very unhealthy way where I'm like very annoyed and it's coming out in a bad way. But being healthy enough to communicate, this is what I need right now. And and using that in a great way. That's such good advice. I need that. Like, just listening to your story, I think you do have 
well, obviously you do have a, a much deeper appreciation for marriage because of everything that you've been through. But my husband's out of town this week and I have, you know, my three little kids and I'm trying so hard to just be like, he doesn't want to be away from us either. You know, I've been trying to have that mindset, but it's so easy to like snap and be like, ah, you know, but, ah, you've been so encouraging to me this last however long we've been talking, 45 minutes. You're so well-spoken. Is this from doing podcasts or is this just how you are in your everyday life? I I don't know, but y'all are precious. Thank you for your encouragement. (laughs) You are. I mean, you are so awesome. Um, This is random, but I was watching your stories. And do you really get like mean messages on Instagram? Oh my goodness. You guys, the internet is such a crazy thing because people feel so bold behind a screen where if you saw somebody and you sat down, we're having coffee with them, we're having a relationship with them. You know, it's not something that people do, but I think it's a real problem these day and age. Like I have friends that are, you know, influencers on social media and it's a true thing. And anytime that you're going to share your life with the public, you're going to get everyone's opinion on everything you do. Um, But yeah, we get a lot of, we get a lot. I I do not (laughs) understand that. Like, what do people have to say that's mean to you? I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. They'll pick apart, you know, parenting, what I look like, I mean, what we're doing. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, my house, I mean, you name it. And it's one of those things that, um, honestly, like last year, I really struggled with it, y'all, because we got to the point where it was just a lot of ugliness. And I'm such a people pleaser and such a peacemaker. Like, I just love people. And so I was really struggling with it and not taking on other people's words. Um, and so I, the Lord just really had to work with me and say, you know what? There may be chains that you see that people are trying to put on you, but you have the choice whether to take those on and put them on. Like, you don't have to pick up the chains and put them on your wrist. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take on that identity. You can reject um, that. And with anything anyone says, if you have a relationship with them, um, to take it before God and say, God, is there any truth in this? Is there anything in my heart that I need to take before you or um, that I need to get right before you? But the bottom line in all of it is I answer to God, not a random person on Instagram that I don't know. We see snapshots of people's lives. And you can't understand the fullness of what people are really experiencing and walking through on a square on Instagram. And so the times that we like to compare um, people's highlight reel to the low places of our hearts and lives, that's just not right. And that's not okay. And I do think that our generation really struggles with jealousy and comparison Mm -hmm. because we spend so much time on social media instead of in our real lives and having interactions with real people that, um, can share the good things and the hard things. And that's what true friendship is. And I think that's the importance of having real friendships where you can sit down and do life together and do the messy things and the hard things. But I just don't have time to fake anything, y'all. We're just making in life. And so we're just going to be real and take it as it is, you know? Do you message them back? I'll pray for you. (laughs) I I used to message people back and with real sweet you know, responses and stuff. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what, that's taken away my time from people that really do need encouragement and hope. And so 
I want to steward my time on social media well. And so um, I'm trying to be really diligent about that because of my following and because of the amount of messages I get per day. And so with that, I've just decided, you know what, I want to give attention and prayers and all that stuff to the people that I'm investing in, not in the people that are trying to pick a fight. Perfect advice. You need, um, I'm waiting for you to come out with a blog, a makeup blog. (laughs) You're so sweet. You occasionally will put that in your stories, and I'm always very, um, I don't know, attentive. I love makeup stuff. It's so fun, you know, but we, I was laughing the other day because I, I told someone, I was like, the reality is like, I mean, I wish I was just in God's word all day long, like reading all this hope and encouragement. And that was like my whole life. But you know, we live regular lives like everyone else. And so most of my life is the craziness, you know, you spend time in the word and you're trying to be intentional to meet with God all throughout the day. But you know, we deal with a lot of messes and I have to put on my makeup at the stop sign just like other people. And, you know, you're trying to make, figure out what's for dinner and what you're going to wear and all that stuff. So I just like sharing all little parts of life, but makeup is so fun to me. I just think it's a fun, um, artistic, creative way to have an outlet. I use the mask, the, the mascara primer that you just talked about. The white one that makes your eyes look, I bought it like a month ago and it's awesome. Jenny's the girl. Don't you feel like the Hunger Games when you put it on? Yes. I feel like I look like the Hunger Games with white eyelashes before I put my mascara on. I just like can't be that busy mom where I forget things. But <laughs> I um one of our babysitters came over the other day. We were I was running out somewhere and they were coming over for like an hour, you know, for me to go do something real fast. And she was laughing at me because I was curling my hair in the mic, you know, with the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> right there. And that's how I was seeing because there wasn't a mirror near me. So I'm like you know, doing eggs, and then I'd scoot over and curl another bit with the microwave. She was like, that is crazy. I'm like, this is our life. You just got to squeeze it in when you can. This is five kids. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Do what you can. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. This was awesome. I wish we lived in Georgia so we could come over to your house for dinner. We would love it. It's crazy. We're like a traveling circus, and it's loud and insane, but this is us. (laughs) If you're ever in Texas, we'd love to meet up with you, Becky and I. It would yeah, be so you could fun. come to the silos in Waco with Chip and Joanna Gaines, and we'll just meet you halfway. Let's do it, girl. So fun. I love them. They're so precious. They are. Well, thanks, Brittany. It was great Thank to talk you to you. so much. So good talking with you, too. I just loved everything about Brittany's interview. What was your takeaway after hearing her talk that night? Well, as like a podcaster, I was just really blown away with her ability to speak mm-hmm. so clearly, but as an individual, I feel like the overall takeaway is that this is a love story and it's not just of human love and it's not necessarily a fairy tale either. It doesn't have dragons and castles unless, you know, Brittany's living in a castle and she hasn't told us about it somewhere in Georgia, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's this beautiful story that is filled with so much pain, but also this incredible love, human love and God's love. I just remember thinking, leading this interview, thinking, wow, her faith is so strong and I wish mine was like that. But then I kind of thought later, like, well, it can be like that. You know, Brittany's isn't magical like you would find in a fairy tale, but 
there's hours developing a relationship with the Lord, like knowing who God is, who Jesus is, and it takes studying the Bible and not necessarily that it's about memorizing scripture or who knows the most scripture or anything like that, but just, it makes me teary, (laughs) just acknowledging the fact Okay, hold on so you can understand me. Acknowledging the fact that we are broken and whether it's brokenness that we've brought into our own life, like I would speak for myself, or brokenness that has been brought into our lives, not of ourselves. But either way, just knowing that you cling to God with everything that you have. For me, one of the biggest takeaways was I loved how she just said, just talk to him like he's your friend. He already knows what we're feeling. I had mentioned to her, I would be mad. I really truly would if that was me. If my husband died, I would be so angry with God. And I want to say that I would be like Brittany too and like have this amazing relationship with the Lord, but that is me being honest. And I think my takeaway from her was that God already knows what we're thinking, what we're feeling, just talk to him. And a prayer and praying to God isn't, it's not rehearsed. It's not something we don't have to use all these fancy Christianese Christianese words. Look up John Christ because it's hilarious. We don't have to use all these like important, fancy, big words. We just, tell him what we're thinking. And I think if you, if you can, if you're doing that, that is praying. And if you, you know, know that Jesus died for you, he died for me. He died for everyone that's listening. And if we believe that through faith, like that's, that's how we're Christians. Like it's not this, I don't know. We've talked about this before. It doesn't have to be this big ordeal. Yes. But it is a love story of like Christ with his, like I picture him as Christ with his arms open, not going anywhere. No matter what happens in your life, I will be there for you. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of like Talladega Nights, right? Where he's like, I like to picture my Jesus as a little tiny eight pound Jesus. (laughs) But that's how, that's how, that is not how I picture God. Like (laughs) as just being there all the time. You know, no matter what, good times, bad times, like he's like, I got you, girl. I'm no matter what, I'm right here. And I think Brittany went to him. She sat in her pain and she went to him in every bad time. And she talked about in one moment there, like, I can't do this. God show up. And he did. I think what spoke to me was just that, you know, she told God exactly what she was feeling and she just let him carry her. Definitely. I think that's a great one. What would your big takeaway be? Just her incredible faith in how she prayed, like praying while you can, there's the side of you that's like, just pray, pray for anything, pray for everything. Just talk to God, like good day, bad day, whatever, just talk. And then on the flip side, like also those big prayers where you're like, man, we are servants of a, a God that built the heavens and the earth. Like he can move mountains.
mountains. And all you have to do is ask, even if you just need him to dry your eyes for the night, like whatever it is, just know how incredible he is and, and what his love is for you. Yeah. Well, it was a great interview. I'm so honored that she talked to us, ladies or men, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> or man. <laughs> or the one man. People. People who are listening right now. Um, if you have any questions for Brittany, I know she'd probably love to answer um, DMs. If you have any questions for Becky and I, if you like this episode, find us on Instagram under Blue Wife Life Podcast or Facebook. Message us. We love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. And we're just so grateful that you listened for the last hour. So thanks, guys, for supporting us. If you haven't already, go subscribe to us on your podcast app. Rate and review us. That helps other people find us. And we just truly appreciate that. Personally, it helps encourage us. Have a great day, guys. And thanks for joining us on Blue Wife Life.